Welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we welcome back Ash Palmer. But before we get into that, please take a second to subscribe to our podcast. Here's today's message from Ash Palmer. How are you all? Man, it is good to sing with you guys. It is good to pray with you guys. Uh, my name is Ash. Welcome uh, online. Welcome people in the room. Welcome people who are you know, in the foyer or, I don't know, hiding somewhere, wherever you find yourself. Uh, it is so good to be here. We are uh, working through our Euangelion series. I've practiced for weeks to say that correctly. I think I did pretty all right. And uh, we're at week two. Ryan opened up the series for us last week and did an incredible job of just kind of walking through and explaining what the gospel is and what the kingdom of God is. And uh, you'll have a look at our, our series up here on the screen. And these are the four weeks that we've got. It's my turn today to talk about the way, which I'm really excited to do. And we want to encourage you that if you can't be at all four of these weeks, we'd love for you to be here. We'd kind of ask you to make the time to be at all four weeks. But if you can't, please make sure... You follow up online, you know, catch the stream at 5 p.m. or download the podcast, whatever you need to do to keep up with the weeks that we're uh, talking about. We want you to kind of get the whole picture of the four weeks. We want you to understand each bit of it. And uh, it takes a bit of time, but we would love for you to kind of be part of that and to listen in if you can. Sound good? Great. To kick us off, I'd love you to turn to your neighbor and ask a question. And if they get it wrong, just like point at them and just laugh. Like make them feel so bad. I'm joking. Don't do that. Uh, The question I want you to ask them, all right, I want you to finish the sentence. I know a good Christian by. So how would you know what a good Christian looks like? I know a good Christian by. Take 30 seconds, ask the person next to you. How would you tell a good Christian? Go for it. Online, put your answers in the comment feed. Good, some good answers coming out. Size of the necklace and the cross on. Yeah, yeah, cross equals love in your Instagram profile is like 101. All right, that's good. My, uh, my one, if anyone remembers in the 80s and 90s, like you knew someone was a Christian if they had the, the fish on the back of their car. Anyone had a fish on the back of their car? Yeah, a few of us, that's good. We are the ones who will get the best places in heaven. All right. uh, I took mine off when I got my license, so it was on my dad's car because I just, it was just not good advertising. My driving and that fish was just not going to do anyone any favors. So I think a lot of the answers you would have gotten would probably, if, you're, if I'm guessing right, would have been around lifestyle, right? Action. They do something. You know, this is a kind person or uh, they are humble or they uh, show love like Jesus did. Uh, I don't think any answers would be like, oh, they say nice things, but they never do anything, you know? When we, we talk about how we know someone's faith, it's often by what they do. It's an action. It's a, it's a clear representation of the faith they have inside. It's not just words. So we're talking a bit about that today. Now, I was way too old, like in my teens, by the time I realized that the word is not mosquito or sword. It's a mosquito and Sword. I'm still a bit scared to say it, just in case I get it wrong. Still, right? I was way like I mean, like I was in my teens before I was talking about mosquitoes, and my friends like, "What are you saying?" And I was like, "You know, mosquito. You know, like mosquito in the night." And they're like, "Are you an idiot? 
Like, are you? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And I remember that kind of moment. I don't know if anyone else has this moment when you realize you're saying a word wrong for a long, no, it's just me? Okay, cool. When you're saying uh, the word wrong for ages and suddenly someone corrects you. This series that we're walking through might feel a little bit like that. There might be moments in something that we're talking about, which if you've been around church your whole life and you've been part of you know, understanding the gospel or the kingdom of God and all those kind of uh, terms where you thought this is what it was and then someone suddenly says, actually, it's kind of pronounced this way. And you can have that emotional feeling of like, what? All right. And I just want to say, if, you, if that happens to you, that's okay. Like we want to kind of enter a conversation with you. You can come and talk to us about that. You can do some reading around that. Listen to uh, the podcast and listen to the sermons again. Just to have that moment. But some of you might have that moment. We sat with a few people this morning who went, this is just a little bit different to what I heard growing up in church. Now, if you've never been to church at all and this is your first time, what a great time to walk in. This is like the best time to walk in. But for a lot of us who grew up in church, some of the stuff that we're talking about might feel like it's a little bit off-center. So if you have that feeling, we know you're having that feeling. We've had that feeling too. Let's kind of walk into it together and explore uh, God and the truth in that moment. So here's what I'm going to do for you because I'm such a nice guy. Uh, I'm going to give you the Bible reading. I'm going to give you the whole point of the sermon in like the next four minutes. And then like after that, if you want to fall asleep, if you want to check out, do what you need to do. I'd love for you to hang in there and stay with me and keep listening. But I'm giving you all the good stuff like right at the beginning. So like it's done. How nice am I, right? I spoiled you for all the other preachers to come, isn't it? All right. The story comes from Matthew 21, verse 28. This is Jesus talking uh, with a bunch of religious leaders. In fact, the stories around the story are fairly intense for this group of people. And uh, at the end of Jesus telling a couple of stories, it says that they looked at each other and they decided this guy needs to die. Okay, so that's how intense these stories are. Okay, uh, so Matthew uh, 21, verse 28. Jesus is talking to these guys. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, well, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted. So look, Jesus asked that. I'm going to ask you, which of the two do you think did what Jesus, did what the father wanted? First one, that's good. Those of you who are reading are like, it says the first one. All right. uh, the first one they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, like the right way to live, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes and those people who you think would never get it, they did believe him. And even after you saw what happened in their lives, even after you saw the transformation in their story, you didn't turn back. You didn't turn away from what you're doing and you didn't believe him. So here's the point, right? Actions prove intentions. Intent isn't good enough. We are people of action. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're kind of following the way of this, the kingdom of Jesus, you are a person of action. You are not a person of decision. Okay? Because one of those things proves and the other only implies. So if I said to you guys, hey, I'm going to buy everyone a coffee tonight, hypothetically, calm down, hypothetically, all right? And I said, after the celebration tonight, I'm going to be out there, I'm going to buy you all a coffee, all right? And I say, I'm telling you that now. And you'd be like, great. It'd be different to if you walked out there and I was actually handing you a coffee and saying, here's your coffee, right? Because you wouldn't get your coffee and go, oh, I wonder if he's decided to give me a coffee because you'd have it in your hand. It, it's proven, right? 
It's proven. And this is the kind of, uh, one of the big points in that story Jesus was saying to these guys. He's telling these guys who have devoted their entire life, like literally their entire life, to learning about the story and the kingdom of God. They are like all about it. They are the religious leaders and they have poured their life into understanding how the kingdom of God works and operates. And Jesus says to them, you're missing the boat. Not just that you're missing the boat, but the people who you think are on the other end of the spectrum, who are like so far gone, they're getting it. And they're going to get there before you. And he tells a story of these two sons. It is a big thing. It's a big thing to those guys. See, they're religious leaders. They gave their whole life to it, right? And to give you a bit of an idea of the story, we'll take you all the way back to the beginning. So right at the beginning of uh, the history of Israel is a story of God sitting down and having a conversation with one guy. God picks this guy up. He's an unlikely guy. He's an older gentleman. His name's Abram. He has no kids of his own. And God picks this guy to be the one who starts the story of Israel. And it says this in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In Bible college, they talk about this as like uh, Abraham's mandate was that he was called to be blessed so that he could be a blessing. And this conversation with God was so significant that as God kept kind of unrolling the plan to Abraham and saying to him, you are going to be the father of a huge nation. Like to count the amount of kids you're going to have would be like counting the, the, the sand on the seashore. Like you, you're going to be the father of a huge nation and your people will be a significant people. And he's so passionate about this. He changes the guy's name to, from Abram to Abraham to say, this is, this is it, you're a new person. You're the father of many. And so the whole point of, of God having this conversation with him was to say, the way you and I connect, Abraham, the way your people and, and me, the, the way this nation after you and I connect will tell everyone else who I am. You'll be like this example, you know, the way you live life, the way you kind of conduct yourself in the world, people will look at you and be like, why are you guys like that? Who is this God that you serve? Because you are different. Things happen for you that just don't happen for other people. And throughout Israel's story, you see this dynamic at play. You see the people of Israel following God, and sometimes it's like a home run, like they nail it. They're so connected with God, and, and things are working so well that people turn around to them and go, what is up with you guys? And you have stories like when uh, Daniel's in the lion's den with King Darius and King, he, he looks at him and he, and he looks at Daniel and he, and he sees this miracle happen of Daniel kind of surviving this night in the lion's den. And he says this, surely the God of Daniel is the one true God. So you have moments throughout the Bible where this happens, where they, they get it, they do it. They live their way, they show the world, hey, this God that we serve is different. He is real. And this is the relationship we have with him. But more often than not, what the people of Israel tended to do, which is the human thing, right? They didn't really realize their kind of title is like ambassadors, like favorites with purpose. They kind of instead saw it as like a really exclusive thing. Like they got a super cool membership card and they were like, we're part of this club, right? And we're like over here and we don't actually want to kind of mess up the dynamics of our group. So we kind of hold it exclusively, 
And we say, we're going to just hang out with God. And, and, and they go through this cycle where they kind of do their own thing. And sometimes they get angry at God and they kind of say, you know, we're suffering and, you know, things aren't going well and we're sorry about what we did. And God would continuously send them like a king or a prophet or, or, or a judge or a leader, someone to come in and save the day in a miraculous way. And they would go, oh, that's right. You know, we're all about God. We're meant to be following Him. And, and they kind of come good for a little while and then off it goes again. Over and over and over this would happen. And in the midst of this, God turns around and says, okay, we need to do something about this. Because you're forgetting the idea that what you've got is a role. It's something special. Hey, so one of my jobs ages ago was I used to fly around a little bit. And, and uh, one day I was, fly, I was in Brisbane or something and, and I got to the counter to fly back home and the person said to me, hey, uh, would you like to trade some of your frequent flyer points for a business class upgrade. Guys, I'm a simple man with simple tastes. Never did I dream that business class could be something I could reach for. But I thought, look, it's like a five-hour flight. Uh, Queensland is super sticky, guys. I was like, I need comfort. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I was really, I wasn't, I was, I was, I wasn't dressed for it. I was like, I want to try it out. No worries. And I texted my wife. They give me a business class upgrade. Like, look, my boarding pass has a single digit on it. You know, like it was, I walked in and they're like, hello, Mr. Palmer. I'm like, you know my name? You know me? You know, and they were like, you know, would you like to take a seat? Would you like me to take your jacket for you? And I was like, even like, people are hanging up suit jackets. And I'm like, here's my really dodgy one from like Big W. Go for it. And, um. I remember just kind of going, like, I don't belong here. <laughs> like, this is just really awkward. Yeah, I couldn't even make eye contact with people because I saw if someone came up to me and said, hey, you don't belong here. You need to go back. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going back to coach you. Right? I'm going back to economy, back to my people. I got my little headphones. I'm all good. You know, watch my little TV screen. Uh, you're right. I don't belong here. You're right. But then I sat down and I texted my wife and I said, uh, I can't go back. I've seen, I've tasted, this is good. I said, listen, Louise, you know, if, uh, if we ever go on a flight together and, uh, and there's an upgrade, I'm, I'm ditching you, man. Like, it's, I'm gone. You know, like, uh, it's so good. And my wife's like, just enjoy it. It's not going to happen again. You know, like, get over yourself. Um, sure enough, next flight, you know, get there. Would you like to trade something? I'm like, yes, I would. You know, now I'm like, you know, greedy people by name. Hey, Dave, good to see you at business class. And he's like, my name's not Dave. I'm like, it is now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of, just owning it. About three or four kind of trips in, I get to the counter again, and I'm like, here you go. And they say, uh, hi, how are you going? I'm like, I'd like to trade some of my points for a business class upgrade. And they said, uh, sorry, all the seats are full. And I was so devastated. I know you're feeling sorry for me, right? A little violin. Um, but what was the worst part? Is that this little part of me, deep down inside, that kind of felt like, but hang on, I have my points. I'm entitled to this. This is mine. You know, like I've done this before. It's kind of this moment where I forgot that what I had, I mean, I didn't earn it. It was kind of a gift given to me. It was a gift they gave to me in the hope that I'd buy like business class seats. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right. But I didn't, I didn't own it. But I'd taken something and kind of, you know, I even I was that guy that sat in business class and other people walked by me. I was like, have fun back there with your air conditioning you have to share with everyone else. Here's my vent. You know, like I was so awful. Jesus, forgive me. Please let me go to business class again. But it was a kind of a similar dynamic, right? The people of Israel kind of saw this thing given to them, and they were like, hey, we, we need to be blessed. And they forgot that the whole reason they were blessed was to bless others, was to show other people this is who God is, right? 
So in the midst of this narrative, God steps in. And, and Ryan talked about this last week when he talked about the kingdom and, and the role of Jesus. And the gospel is really simply this. In fact, listen to Ryan's message. Please do if you want to know more about it, if you really want to get the full story. But the gist of it is this. God, seeing the mess that we're in, seeing what we did, establishes a new kingdom under the leadership of Jesus who dies on the cross, paying the price for all the things that separate us from God, defeats death and is now reigning as king and bringing a new world into being, a new way of doing things into being. It's incredible. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And that's what he calls us into. He turns around to us and says, you can be part of the good news that Jesus is king and you can be in a relationship with Jesus. You can be in contact with Jesus. It's quite, a, quite an amazing thing. Andy Stanley has a sentence, this, this quote where he says, when the king does something amazing for his subjects, it says more about the king than it does about the subjects. Right? When God does something like that, when God sends his son into the mess, it says more about the heart and greatness of God than it does about us. Now, we've talked about this before here. We use the kind of cat and dog theology kind of you know, illustration with you guys. You know, if you, if you do something great for your cat, I don't have cats, but I'm assuming this is how it goes down. Uh, your, your cat kind of, you know, you feed it, you pet it, you clean its litter tray, and the cat's like, that's right, human. Clean my litter tray. Feed me. I am goddess. Queen of all I survey. I will sit here. I'll sit on your head. I'll sit on your lap. I'll sit on the TV. I'll sit where I like because I own this place. And you are doing all this for me. That must mean I'm amazing. And then you pat your dog and your dog's like, wow, you patted me? You love me. I can't believe you'd do this to me. I can't believe you'd feed me. You're like the greatest guy ever. You're like the best. You let me sleep outside in the cold. You are so cool. Right? And a dog is just overflowing with gratitude. When the king does something for you, it says more about the king than it does about you, right? And so that's what God does. He sends Jesus in. And so we have this moment where Jesus is king and the kingdom is here. And then God says, this is it. And similarly to the people of Israel, God says, now you, followers of the kingdom, you get to communicate with everyone what it's like to be in the kingdom of Jesus, to have Jesus as king. You get to tell everyone what it's like to have Jesus as your king. And the way you live that life, the way you kind of, you're you're out there. Don't do what the people of Israel did and, and kind of oscillate between keeping it to yourselves and getting it right every now and again. He says, show everyone what it's like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Go and live it. And here's the thing. Living the way of the kingdom of God is like, Bananas crazy. It is just like, when you look at what Jesus says in like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and you look at, at, at it, he says, okay, so this is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And you look at the way he talks about things. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. If you've been around church for a while, you're like, no, it makes sense. It's good. I get it. It's great. It definitely is great. But if you've never been to church before, you've never opened your Bible, and you're reading some of the stuff Jesus says, you're like, what is going on? This professor took uh, the Sermon on the Mount and gave it to her students and said, look, I just want you to read this. 
and do like a reflection paper. You've done, you know, you've listened to some great, you know, uh, speeches in history. You've read some great stuff. Read this. Read this speech. Read this, this speech by Jesus. And uh, I want you to just tell me what you think of it. And as she got the responses back, uh, she was surprised at first, but then she understood. See, a lot of those people didn't really, they never read the Bible. They didn't really follow Christianity at all. So they read it at face value. And the responses were, this is crazy. This is so unreasonable what this guy is saying. Are you honestly telling me that if I hate someone in my heart, that's the same as murder? If I look at that woman that way, that's the same as me taking advantage of her in some way? You're telling me that I have to forgive people? I have to love my enemies? What is this? See, the way of the kingdom is so radically different to how the world works. And that's what Jesus calls us into. That's what Jesus says to us. He says, hey, when you, when you kind of follow away, when you're part of the kingdom, you forgive people differently. You show love differently. You handle your anger differently. You have a whole different understanding of generosity in a way that doesn't make sense to anyone else living any under, any, under any other king. And that's what you and I are called to do. To show people this radical way of living. And it is different. It means coming here and, and leading people in worship when one of your friends is fighting for his life. Normally, that's, that's you out for the count. That's you done. There's no hope in that story. There's no, there's no opportunity. You're just empty. But we're different. We come here and we still pitch up on a Sunday night and they still lead us prophetically, powerfully, everything on the line. They still come forward. You come forward. The way you sang, the way you prayed, that's what it is. We're different because we know that we serve a different king, a good king, and this is the way he works. So we do it. Circumstances don't mean anything before King Jesus. And we know that. And Jesus calls us to live that way so that everyone else knows what's different about us. And when they ask us and they say, what is it about you? We turn around and say, look at Jesus. This is the king who we serve. This is the king. And that's what we're called to do. But the temptation for you and I is huge. Because it's easy to go back and say, let me just be exclusive. Let me just kind of get my Christian guys together. And we've got a little club and a little password on the door. And we say things that only we understand. And we live in a way that kind of keeps us comfortable. And it's hard. In fact, most of us grew up uh, with this thinking that uh, to become a Christian, you just had to say a spell. You know, we didn't call it a spell, but it had like specific words. And it was like, you know, we gave, and we say, if you just say these words, like poof, you're in, you're in heaven, you know? And I had a friend of mine who uh, had, a, had a rough kind of teenage life, and he decided that it's time to get right with God. And he, was, he just was there. He just... He knew he needed to get right with God. So he went to his pastor who was about to leave town. He was living up in the, in the uh, communities. And uh, he said, look, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to become a Christian. I'd like to become a follower of Jesus. And his pastor said, well, look, you know, just pray the sinner's prayer. It's really easy. And look, words are great and sinner's prayer is solid. So this guy goes, yeah, cool. Okay, no worries. And he spent the next two years turning the page of the Bible looking for the sinner's prayer. You know, where is it? Where are these words? He saw lots of other prayers. He kept turning. Where is it? Where is it? He couldn't find it. And he was just so stressed out. Two years, this guy was so committed. 
Finally, he ran into someone else and he told him this struggle and trying to find this prayer and I can't find it. And the person said, no, no, no. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Know who you are, know who Jesus is and give your life to Jesus. And he goes, that's what I did two years ago. He goes, great. But we tend to complicate it in that way. We tend to make it about a decision. But what Jesus calls for is action. To live that life, to live as, as people of the kingdom of God. But the temptation when we want to make it exclusive is that we tend to then only have one thing to do. When we make it exclusive, when we kind of stand back here and say, it's just us, we tend to say, all we've got then to communicate with other people is argument. We've got to convince them and argue them why they're wrong and we're right. And it's almost like, you know, someone's sitting there going, you know, I just didn't follow Jesus, but then Ash and I got into this yelling match and he was yelling at me, he was arguing, and I just went, oh my goodness, you're right, and poof, I was in heaven, right? My old pastor used to say, no one ever gets argued into the kingdom of God. But when you see Jesus, when you know who you are and what he's done, when you get an understanding of the good news of Jesus, you realize that your role is to stand there and rip apart heaven and to say, look, look at Jesus. But often what we tend to do is we try and rip apart hell and say, watch out. See what could happen to you? Watch out. And we end up becoming people who speak more for what we're against than what we're for. And if anything... God's saying to us, speak for what you're for, because that's way better. What I'm offering, in fact, what he says in John, I'm offering life and life to the full. What God has an offer for us is amazing. It's almost like if I went to my wife and said, uh, look, I'm marrying you uh, because I just don't want to marry them. And you're okay. I just really don't want to marry them. So I'll marry you, I guess. That doesn't go well. Okay, not a good proposal, all right? Not good. Jesus doesn't want people to come into a relationship with him because they're scared of the alternative. Because that's such a weak excuse. When he is so amazing and his affection is so on offer, God wants you to know that you don't have to run to him because you're afraid of what the bad things could be. But actually because you've looked at him and you're like, wow, I want to be with you. I want you to have you as my king. That's what it's about. We want to be people of action who realize that we're called to live this life, this radical way of existing, to show people what it really means to follow Jesus, to rip open heaven and to point people. Because when people turn around to you and say, why are you that way? Why are you like this? What is it about you that's different? And that's a good way to know, by the way, if you're doing a good job with this. If people are coming to you and saying, why, why are you like this? You're just different. If they feel they can bring their questions to you and be like, I'm wondering. If people are trying to avoid you with their questions because they know they're just going to get a lecture, you're doing the wrong thing, all right? But when people come to you with questions, they're like, why are you like this? Why do you seem to see the world differently? You then have the opportunity to go, look at Jesus. This is my king. This is who he is. This is what he's done. Let's pray. God, we want to be people who reflect your love well, who know the good news that, yep, we are far from perfect. But more importantly, you are awesome and you are love and you stepped into history. You came down 
to pay the price for the things that make us imperfect and then to defeat death. But most importantly, to be crowned king, to establish a new way of doing things, the right way, a place where there's no pain or suffering, a place where you, God, creator, are with us, your creation. We are restored. All things are restored. God, would you help us to do that well? Would you help us as Riverview Church to be a church that speaks more for what we're for than what we're against? Letting people know about the love and majesty of a great King. Help us to do that, those things that are so radical, the way we forgive, the way we're generous, the way we love, the way we respect one another, the way we care for the poor and the lost and the broken. Think about the early church when the people used to throw out their plague-infected people and the early church would be the ones who would go out and grab these people and care for them. They were different. Just as we're sitting in this moment, I want to pray specifically for those people who maybe have been engaging in church or coming here and you actually don't have a problem with Jesus. You actually kind of, you, you get Him. You really want to be closer to Him. But the thing that stood in the way is Christians have behaved badly with you. The people who say they're Christians have let you down or hurt you or caused something to stand between you and God. But actually, you really want to be close to God. But people have, have upset that. I want to say sorry for that first and foremost. Without knowing your story specifically, I'm sorry that happened to you. Can I say Jesus wants you to know Him? Don't let people get in the way of that. And as you do that, I hope that you can extend forgiveness, but I also hope you can understand that we're all trying. But if you are in that place where you've just stopped short of making a decision, because what you've seen in the life of Christians has not impressed you, can I encourage you tonight just to look at Jesus? And if you're up to it, I'd encourage you to say, I know who I am and I know who you are and I give you my life, Jesus. If you've made that decision tonight, I'd love to talk to you after the celebration tonight. Our prayer team would love to sit with you just to celebrate with you. God, thank you that we're here. I pray for all those who are making that decision tonight. God, would you just welcome them into your kingdom? Would you help us to do the same? Thank you that you're our King. You've heard all of our requests today. You've heard us pray for Dan. And we know that all the affection in this room towards Dan pales in significance to the affection you have for him. So Lord, would you look after our guy? Would you look after Rachel and the boys? Would you look after us? Would you help us in every response to every circumstance show people what it means to follow the true King, the good King, Jesus our King. Amen.